I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. We've got some super special guests with us today. Uh, we've got the band Smithfield. Um, they're doing some amazing things on their own without a record label. And they're going to talk to you about how they've kind of um, made their own way to a music career that supports them. And they're doing what they love and making money off their music. So I think you're going to enjoy that and learn a lot. First, I want to start off with one of their songs. It's currently out on their um, newest EP called Something Sexy. Something sexy, little Tim and Faith about to make love all night long. Come on, baby, let me take you to church, get to work, love you like a wrecking ball. I swear, baby, I'm a mess by you. Wanna lay by you like it's raining on Sunday. Let's leave our clothes on the floor, babe. Put on something sexy. Welcome, everybody. We've got some very special guests in the uh, Songtown Zoom room today. We have Jennifer Fielder and Trey Smith, who are the duo Smithfield. 
And uh, you can do the math to figure out how they came up with that name. I'll, let, <laughs> I'll leave that to you all. But welcome, guys. Glad you're here. Thanks, Marty, for having us. Good to be here. You know, you'd be surprised how many people actually ask us about the name. So, seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We get that question all the time. That's funny. Very funny. Well, you guys, I wanted to introduce our audience to you for several reasons, one of which you're great human beings. Um, the second one being Thank that you. you love you love coffee, which is awesome. <laughs> Thirdly, you're you're oh, put yeah. out great music, you're great songwriters and you put out great music. And then the last one is the, the main reason I, and the main thing I want us to talk about is just how you're figuring out ways to make a living with your music and how you're being successful with that. I saw yesterday a post that you've passed 50 million streams is that right yeah it's crazy you that's know, amazing it was a big milestone for us and we said in the post you know it may not be a big number for like a, a major label artist but um to us it is as independents to surpass a milestone like that especially with so much music out in the world um it was a big deal for us that's a huge deal for anybody, you know, and there's there's people on major labels that aren't getting that many spins, you know, so being on a major yeah. label doesn't guarantee you that kind of success either. Well, that's right. Absolutely. So I'm going to encourage people to go to your website and read kind of the whole history of Smithfield. But I'd love to start at, at the point where you had a record deal, that record label kind of folded. And what did you guys do then to start? the ball rolling of, of, to where you are now? You know, um, after, so the, the label was called Bigger Picture. And um, like you said, our CEO called us one night and said, unless a miracle happens in the next 48 hours, we're going to have to shut our doors and shut everything down. And we kind of, you know, felt like getting punched in the gut a little bit. And we took a step back and we actually met a good mentor of ours, who is actually now our manager named Pete Fisher. And uh, he just started meeting with us. We had met him through mutual friends and he started kind of talking to us about business plans and the ways that you can secure funding and different ways you can, you know, make your own music and honestly be your own label. And we had this group of music that we had. We had actually recorded it with the label that never got released. And they wanted like something, a crazy amount of money for us to buy the master's. So we ended up going to a bank per our, our friend Pete's recommendation and kind of connection and literally playing for a room full of bankers um, to get a to get a loan. So it was the most bizarre. It was like going into a bank, taking my guitar, playing some songs, telling them all about ourselves and then saying, so can we have a loan to make some music? And they actually ended up giving us the loan. Yeah, but um, they didn't fund our music. So before we had met Pete, um, we had seen at the time there was not a lot of independent acts putting out music in the country music genre because we're so focused on the major label and going to radio. And so Trey and I had written all these great songs with the label, but they wouldn't, like Trey said, wouldn't give our record back. So we're like, okay, we're two broke kids. How do we raise the money? to be able to afford to record the music we spent so long writing. So we did a Kickstarter. A lot of people have heard of GoFundMe or Kickstarter or crowdfunding campaigns online. And we used the power of social media. Um, at the time, we didn't have that big of a following. And we um, 
shared with them our story and, and our hearts and said, look, we, we moved from Texas to Nashville. We've known each other our whole lives. We've written all this great music and we can't put it out without your help. And so our first Kickstarter, we raised $10,000 to do our very first project. It was the Smithfield debut EP. And um, that's really how we got started. And then, as Trey said, we needed help to promote that record and help to get it out there. And so we went to the bank and got a loan and we were able to do a music video with that loan. We were able to hire uh, an affordable publicist to get our music out to some reputable, reputable um, publications like Rolling Stone and uh, oh, what was the one in New York, Trey, that was so big. We got like top 20 artists to watch that year. What was it? Huffington was Post. It, uh, was it Huffington Post? Yeah. Yes. So like those, so CMT played the video that was um, off of our first bank loan hired a publicist to send our music around to all these publications to get their, um, you know, write-ups and get our name out there. Because when you don't have radio, um, we just were like, well, how do we get this out there? So um, streaming really wasn't around at that time, especially in country. Um, so we were really focused on, um, just trying to get our name out there on social media and with the fans that we had and um, grew it from there. And um, we were able to land a Grand Ole Opry performance that landed us a spot on Sirius XM, the highway finds, which was our first ever radio play, um, which XM is a little bit different from uh, regular radio play, but that really launched us that whole, um, decision that we made after that first label to self-fund everything really launched us as artists and we've just kind of learned and have grown ever since then and by launched you 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 mean that it set in motion some some things that allowed you to survive on your music right yeah yeah i mean uh, i think such a big such a big part of being an independent artist is just building your audience you know because at the end of the day that's your that's your customer that's who's going to buy what you sell mm -hmm. and uh, i think just figuring out ways we could get our name out there to people to be able to check us out because you know i mean we felt like we had something that if people heard it they would buy into it um, we just needed to figure out how to do it right what other things have you done to to connect with your audience so we've constantly, you know, we were a little late to the TikTok game, we will admit, because we didn't want to get one for a while. But then we just said, you know, we need to look at it as another way to just find a new audience. So I think, you know, it's all about a, adapt or die. You know, we, we've got to incorporate these new things that are like TikTok that are going to reach new people and new fans. And you know, one of the biggest ways that um, we do is we we try to do a lot of lives. We try to um, include them in on the song process. You know, when we write a song and we get a great demo of it, we immediately go on, you know, TikTok or Instagram and Facebook and all of it. And we say, hey, guys, what do you think about this? Like, let us know. Should we put this out? And you're seeing that trend happen a lot. But I think why it works so well is because you're literally bringing people into your 
music world, your music life and letting them be a part of that. And there's just a special connection when someone connects with a song and they're literally fans for life. And you're seeing that translate into sales and streams, which is one of the nice benefits of being an independent artist is when you're at a label, that label is going to own your master. They're going to own your song. You see zero (laughs) dollars. And we know this because we were in two different deals that we didn't own our music. And this past year with the recent projects, the first time we've owned our masters in a long time and Trey and I are so grateful and, and we feel like empowered because we're able to make a living and pay all of our bills off of just owning our masters finally. Yeah. I think that there's this perception among a lot of people um, years ago, um, there was a guy that I knew who was a big, big artist in Texas and he would just tour independently. He would make his own CDs to sell and he was selling, uh, a, about a hundred thousand dollars worth of CDs every year. And he was making over a million dollars a year on his touring. Wow. But he, but he wanted a label. He wanted to be a big star. And so he came to Nashville, he got on the label sold the same number of records, did the same amount of touring, and he made almost nothing. (laughs) And it's because he didn't own that stuff anymore, you know? And yeah, I tell, I I usually tell people, I was just saying, I usually tell people, any independent artist that is talking about how they want a major label, I mean, really at the end of the day, there are three things, and really only three things you need a major label for. And one of them you could arguably get yourself if you had uh, the right investor, but like, you need a major label for radio. If you if you desire to have country radio success, mainstream country radio success, you need that. And you need them for awards. And then the third thing that you can technically get yourself is just funding. I mean, theoretically, you can get the right investor and get the kind of major label marketing budget that they offer. Um, but even then, it's difficult. But I usually tell people, unless you need one of those three things, keep your music because your music is the most valuable asset that you have. Yeah, absolutely. And your masters are a huge part of that. Yes. Yes. I mean, we don't ever want to act like, oh, we don't want a label or we're better without one or whatever. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. It just depends on what your goals are. Um, But, you know, if if the major label is not a part of your story, it's not a part of your path. You know, I think a lot of people get discouraged and think, well, then it's just not I can't, just can't do this. And, you know, I used to think that, but as we have grown in this business for 10 years and have learned, unfortunately, the hard way, hmm. how to um, make a living ourselves on it. Um, it is a lot of work, but it is possible. And, um, you know, you might not get the big touring opportunities that you want, but we're starting, we started small and we're still starting small, doing small venues and, and, um, cities where people actually buy and stream our music what a concept yeah. <laughs> amazing i mean but the world we live in man with streaming and opportunities on tiktok is i mean now more than ever than in the past you have options as an independent artist to reach your audience that you didn't have in the past before streaming before tiktok and all those things so it really adds an extra layer to of consideration as an independent artist of do I want to be part of a label that's going to be taking such a large portion of my master recordings in exchange for what they're offering me. 
Yeah, and I, I think sometimes too, what people miss is like to be a huge star, you probably need a label. To make a living with your music, you just have to be creative and find your audience. Yes. And you have to work hard, you know, and you, you may not be a star that way, but, you know, I think most people that are, are talented could find a way to make a living with their music if they could could throw away the star idea and just go, let me figure out how to make a way to make, make a living with something that I love. And, and to me, that's what I see you guys doing. Thanks, Marty. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, there's, you know, owning the master, you know, touring, you're not, obviously touring does cost money, but if you can build it up enough to where you are making more than you're spending and you can grow that each and every year, touring is a huge piece. Um, obviously merchandise, you know, don't go out and buy five grand worth of, you know, major label artist merchandise, but start small. And that can be another, um, stream of income for you, you know, and it's crazy. Like there's so many like apps, like Trey and I are on the cameo app, which is like where people can hire us to, you know, give special shout outs to birthdays or, you know, so any celebration and, you know, it's like 15 or 20 bucks a pop. And you think, well, that's not that much, but like over time, if you're doing all these different, um, avenues and in income streams, you know, it may take a while. And like you said, it will take a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of different ways to, to bring in, um, you know, money to sustain and do something that you love to do. Absolutely. So who you mentioned Pete is your manager. What, who else is on your team right now? So, yeah, as you mentioned, Pete, Pete's our manager. We're, um, we're with a booking agency called key, which is, if you don't know what a booking agency is out there, it's just the people that find show opportunities that make sense for you, that route shows that deal with the contracts for the shows and all those kinds of things. They're your booking agents. Um, and then we work with companies uh, on contract basis, like digital marketing companies that they're in charge of strategy as far as DSPs, digital service providers, um, things with your social media and ad campaigns, creative services for, you know, posters or graphics or, you know, covers or anything like that. Um, and then you also have your publicity firm, which is in charge of finding opportunities to get the word out about your music, whether that's in media, TV, on online blogs, um, things of that nature. So essentially it's you two, a manager, a booking agent, and then just contract help as you need it, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. You know, we try to be very, when you're independent, you, you're constantly looking at the budget and, you know, if with Cherry and I had the um, budget to keep a publicist on board year round, we would, but we usually only do that around releases, mm -hmm. you know, as a, a need basis. And, um, you know, those, those kind of things uh, really help with just your, your brand and talking points, you know. Anytime we play the Opry, still to this day, they will say, and featured in Rolling Stone and Billboard and Forbes magazine, you know, it's like, you know, I know that stuff sounds silly, but it truly, you know, drives people's attention. It catches people's attention. So I do think publicity is a necessary point um, or excuse I, me, it's important and helpful. But if you are just starting out, 
you know, don't feel uh, overwhelmed with having to get that piece right off the bat. I feel like I should also probably add an attorney and a business manager. Uh, those are those are two very important key parts I forgot about just now. Get a good attorney. Always, Absolutely. always. Um, because there are so many details about this industry that can really mess you up if you don't pay attention to them. I mean, anytime you're going to sign anything in this industry, any, the first thing I tell people is get a good music attorney. Um, and then business management to make sure that they're monitoring what's coming in, what's going out, who's getting paid, what percentages are going out. Because those are all things that can get very overwhelming just as the artist. Uh, it's nice to have somebody to handle that. Yeah, I will say we learned the hard way, Marty, because in our first um, our first record deal, they would not let us have outside business management. So part of the reason why they said we owed so much um, to get our record back is they said, well, you appreciated in value. And we were like, but what did you actually spend on us? Why do you say we owe all this money back? There's no way you spent that. Had we had a business manager, we would have known what was spent, you know, what actually we owed and what we didn't. So, you know, we've we've made mistakes along the way. And one of the first pieces that we got out of that deal was we wanted to set up a, um, a company. So we set up Smithfield Inc. So we could have somebody, including ourselves, looking at, okay, how much is our music making? How much are we paying our band? How much did publicity cost? Uh, you know, all of those sort of things, like Trey said, become overwhelming. And that piece of the puzzle was so huge for us and so helpful to have a business entity uh, set up. Um, it, it changed everything for us. That's awesome. But, it, you know, it's so, it's so neat to hear that you, you've got with such a small team, you're making this whole thing work, you know, and if you look at major record labels and the people they're paying and the, you know, how many people are involved in any given artist, it can be a huge number of people. And I've known, yeah. um, I knew someone that worked at one of the major labels and uh, she would talk about all these fancy lunches they would go to. And yeah. uh, like we went to the Palm today, you know, and I, and then finally right. I said, who pays for that? And she said, whatever artist we talk about at lunch, and I'm like, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, they're billing these artists for this, these lunches and things, and so you know, just the beauty of having a a lean operation is great, and I think that's probably what you know allows you to do what you're doing and do it so well. Well, well thank you. I mean, there's definitely challenges, you know, that come with it. We're not, you know, labels provide a, a visibility for the artists that they're actually pushing. Um, they provide a visibility that, you know, as an indie, we'll never be able to compete with. And, you know, we've accepted that. And we think, you know, as long as we are bringing in new fans every day, you know, putting out music that people are responding to, that's getting playlisted on streaming. It's like, well, we may not get the big billboard, but, you know, we still have fans listening to our music and, and we're able to make a living doing this. So, you know, it's a, it's a catch 22. It's like, like you said, do you want to be a big star or do you want to make a living doing what you love to do? And maybe making a living doing what you love to do leads to that eventually, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you can't have the big label success eventually, if that is in your path. You guys may own the billboard one of these days if you keep the masters and all that stuff. Well, you whatever you want on there. And that's really, 
honestly, Marty, that's truly the thing, man, is like, you know, as an independent artist, you have these artists that comes to town that they'll get signed to a major label right off the bat, but they have absolutely no equity to bring to the table yet. And so they'll get a deal that's very much so stacked against them. You know, I told Jen several times, it's like, if nothing else, if the, if the label comes, that's great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. But if it does, we're building equity with every single thing that we do. You know, the more, the bigger fan base we can have, the more success we can have as an independent artist just benefits us when, when and if a major label deal does come. Absolutely. Because you know what you're worth, you know, when, when you exactly. go in there, when you, when you sign a record label and you don't have any of that going on, you're totally at their mercy. But if you walk in and, and you're generating X number of dollars on your own, you can go, well, you've got to make it make sense for me to make more than that. Or why would I want exactly. to work with you? You know, that's 100%. Great. Another thing that I see, artists like you doing that I think is really important these days, you know, for, for years, record labels told us what we got to consume and <laughs> they, bas they basically said, well, here's the single, you know, and, and like it or not, and we're going to promote the heck out of it. Um, but, you know, I see artists like you that really are engaging their fans and helping choose that music and you know sometimes even in, involved in the creation of it or behind the scenes and that kind of thing and i think that just gets so much more buy-in from your audience than that force feed idea that the major labels sometimes have that's yeah, so true absolutely. you can look at like because they say you know not all number ones are real number ones and that right. you know is so true it's like there there's some artists thou shall not be named that have number one songs that can't sell tickets. And right. then there's other artists and these are both label examples that have never had a number one and are selling two to 3000 ticket seats. And it's like, Hmm. So just because that song goes number one, doesn't necessarily mean it's translating. And that's what I sort of love about the indie approach is like, there's no, <laughs> there's no label shoving our music down your throat. And, right. and that's kind of the beauty of the rogue independent include your fans in on what you're doing. Um, you get fans for life that way. And then they feel involved and they feel, you know, even more connected to your music because they feel like they've had a hand in it. And I, I mean, as Trey was saying, I think all of that adds value. Absolutely. That's, that's where you get those fans for life is that they feel like they were a part of it. Yeah. Well, I want, I have one quick question about your music that I want to talk about um, because I think you guys do something really cool as a songwriter who's done this for about 25 years and pitching songs. One of the things I've gotten so tired of hearing is, Oh, well, this artist, that's not true for this artist. They don't, that's not their story, you know, that whatever it might be. And it seems like there's, you know, somewhere along the line, artists got the idea that they could only sing their truth. And, you know, looking back in history, we know that Garth's daddy didn't run over his mama in a motel in an 18 wheeler. We know that <laughs> Reba's mom didn't turn her out as a prostitute, but, you know, things became really literal here you know in the last 10 or 15 years and i love that you guys so you're not a romantic couple but you no. can sing romantic songs or even a song like you on your latest project something sexy 
in your minds, how do you pull off a song like that when it's not your truth? Ooh, that's you know, I think, well, I mean, can I, can I just, may I? Jen? Yeah, sure, Trey, go for it. Um, I just feel like, you know, as an entertainer on stage, you like, you're entertaining to say it pretty simply, uh, you know, in a way we're actors when we get up on the stage and a lot of times an actor will tell you they channel something from their life and put it on stage or in the movie or whatever it is. And I feel like we do the same thing as a duo. A lot of times it's like, it is, it, it, it is our individual truth in a lot of ways, things that we've both gone through just in our own lives that we're able to kind of channel and put it into our act, if you will. Um, which is Smithfield. That's great. Jennifer, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about as a female male duo. You typically will assume they're together or they're married. Um, but Sugarland wasn't. And they were one of, I mean, they were the first female male duo in country music to really break on a mass scale. Um, as that act, you know, we had Dolly and, and Porter and Johnny and June, but they were separately, you know, uh, successful artists on their own. The first mm -hmm. successful duo, female, male duo as an act was Sugarland, And they had their own thing. And then you had Thompson Square. And so, you know, Trey and I really wanted to be able to not write or sing ourselves into a box. We wanted to be able to talk about all subject matters, you know, a, a breakup that Trey would go through or, you know, a love that I would have, or one of our, one of our songs is about my, my grandma and grandpa's love. And, but when it comes to like what you were saying, Marty, something sexy, one of the things that Trey and I have always had is like natural chemistry singing together. Um, and so we noticed in our shows early on that that was something people really gravitated towards. You know, one of the first questions we get asked is, oh, my gosh, are you guys together? Are you married? What, what's the deal? Like, you you got to be. And then so it's our truth, but it's not our truth. Like you said, we're not together, but we are sticking true to some elements that people are attracted to, like that flirtation and that chemistry on stage. You know, we, we play it up and we play it up in our, in our music. And I love that. I love that we can write and sing about all different subject matters and we're not in a box as most people would try to put us in. That's awesome. I mean, but I, I do think that sets you guys apart from many, many artists, because I, I think so many artists will only sing things that seem on brand for them in the, in the way that you know, people are going to buy, we really did this, you know, kind of thought. And yeah. I, I think, I think that's just really, it's something I love about you guys is that you're able to do that and you, you pull it off. I watched the video for something sexy and I, I thought, man, they're even selling it. You had another couple doing the making out in the video, but you know, <laughs> you're when the, when the shots are of you guys singing, I, I'm like, I buy it. And Trey, you mentioned being actors and, and I, I was writing one time with a hall of fame songwriter and an 18 year old, female artist and he said an amazing line and she kind of crinkled up her nose and said uh i wouldn't say that and he said why not and she said that's just not my story and he said honey your story's not very interesting and if you don't come up with something interesting you're not going to be an artist for very long and and he said if you were an actress and you could only 
play parts you had actually done, how long would you be an actress? And she said, not very long. And he said, right. And, you know, exactly. so to me, it, you know, I think after an artist just sings their truth over and over and over and over and over, it kind of gets boring, you know, and, and we go, okay, oh, yeah. enough of that, you know, but I, I just, I wanted to commend you guys for that because I, I think it's really cool that you're not in a box and that you're able to, to uh, sell all kinds of things. And, you know, I, and you obviously, if people read your bio, you know, you guys have known each other, each other since you were 10 years old and you do love each other. You're not in love with each other or dating each other, but that, that chemistry and that relationship really comes through in everything you do. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that Marty. And I, I think that's what makes us, well, I mean, I'm biased, but <laughs> I, I, that's the root of Smithfield. You know, it's like, it's our heart and our soul. It's me and Trey being genuine and, and who we both are and who we are together as, as a duo and, and our friendship. And I mean, when you are in music and you run a music business together, you go through a lot of hardships, you go through a lot of ups and downs together. And so we've always had each other's backs and there's a bond that's just created, you know, when you've known each other so long and your families go back so far, but then there's a whole other bond that's created when you're like doing life together and like making decisions, business decisions together. You know, we always joke, we're like, well, we're not married, but he's my duo married. This is my duo marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Your work husband. Yeah. Cause you gotta, you gotta be a true team. I think that's why we've lasted so long and, is because we um, have been through so much together and and truly care about one another. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. Well, that's really. awesome. Well, thank you all so much for being here. We're going to put links to all your music and your website and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. And I just appreciate you guys and, and love what you're doing. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for putting this together, man. You're welcome. Like I said in the beginning, Trey and Jennifer are amazing human beings. They're great singer-songwriters, and I hope you'll check out their music. We're going to have links to all of their socials and their music on Spotify and Apple and all that stuff in the show notes. Um, and I hope you'll check out their website, too, because they've, they've got a really interesting story. They've known each other since they were 10 years old. Their grandparents were friends growing up, and it, it's a cool backstory to that band. But I think the thing I hope you got most from that is that there are ways to make money from your music and make a living doing something you love if you are creative and if you are very careful with the control of your music and who owns it and that kind of thing. So um, I'd love to get feedback from you. If you have any questions or thoughts on this episode, you can email me at marty at songtown.com. I'd love to hear from you. We've got, um, Clay and I have written several books about songwriting. Clay just released one on melody writing. We've got one on co-writing and one on lyric writing. Those links are in the show notes as well. Um, We're glad to be a part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network. Hope you'll check out the other great uh, songwriting podcasts there. I'm going to leave you with a song. This is uh, Smithfield's newest single called I'll Never Stop. And it's the song they're out there pushing and working on now, so... Support these guys and uh, support independent musicians wherever you find them. This is a great song, and I hope you'll enjoy.
a song that I can't sing any words, but the melody never leaves. It's just stuck in my mind. You're the one going to my head on the nights that I can't forget. No matter how much time goes by, sometimes I. I'd love to erase the sweet way you'd say my name, but I'd never forgive myself if I forget. Sometimes I. Never leaves, it's just stuck in my mind.